to be speaking about some of the promises that God has for us when we trust him. And if you think about a promise, what is a promise? You ever made a promise before? Thank you. Someone's paying attention. Finally, you ever, you ever broken a promise before? Here's a, here's a big one. Has anyone ever broken a promise to you? Yeah. Are they in the room? Yeah. <laughs> when we make a promise as human beings, you know, our, our hope is that we would be able to make good on those things. And I think a lot of the times we do, but maybe sometimes we don't. Did you know that God makes promises to us also? There's promises that he's already made. We find them in scripture. The things that God already said. You know, scripture, the Bible's a book of the things that God has already said in our lives. And we go through much of our life saying, God, what do you want from me? What am I supposed to do? I just don't know. And I think he's up there going, I wrote it down. <laughs> it's all there. So what are the things that God has already said? So many of those things are promises. But interestingly, with the promises of God, there's just about always a step that we're supposed to take first. I have this for you. Here's what will happen in your life. But first, you got to trust me. First, you got to take a step in that area of your life. And that's the way God set things up. That's the way things work. When we take a step towards God, he takes a step towards us. You see, it's our trust that leads us to surrender. And that's when we see God move. Not before. After. After trust, after surrender, after obedience, that is when we will see God move in our lives. Not before. After. <laughs> you know, the last service was like so asleep. And this one's so lively. I love it. All right, I'm going to jump into some things, and some of the things I'm going to say are going to be difficult. Some of the things I'm going to say might be offensive, and I hope that we can all understand here, we're going to present what Jesus has already said, and what some others like the Apostle Paul have already said, and then it's each of our choice here to determine what to do with that information. So as I speak, and I'm speaking about generosity today, this is week two of our generosity series. Next week, we're gonna be moving into a different series on prayer starting next week. But today we're gonna to wrap up generosity. And so I'm gonna say some things, and it's your job and mine to say, God, I'm gonna believe you in this or I'm not. There's no pressure. This is gonna be between you and God. I'll say the hard things. Really, I'm just going to repeat the hard things, and then you get to decide what to do with that information today. So, the Bible speaks towards many different virtues that we're growing in, learning to become. Who are we becoming? The Bible has a really a list of virtues that we can hopefully grow in. Did you know that the Scripture speaks about faith 246 times? God thinks a lot about faith, and he wanted to know, you to know about faith, so he had people mention it in the scriptures 246 times. That's a lot. You know that in the Bible, it speaks about hope 185 times, because God thinks a lot about hope, and he wants you to know about hope. So 185 times, it's spoken about in the scriptures. And God thinks a lot about love. And did you know that he spoke about love 733 times in the scriptures? 
Why did God have Jesus and others talk so much about love? Because he cares so much about it and he wants you to know and he wants that to infiltrate your life. He wants you to become a person of love. That's why he spoke about it so much. Did you know that the scriptures speak about generosity 2,285 times? Way more than love, way more than hope, way more than faith. Why? Why, how, why is that? Because like Jesus said, our treasure is where our heart is. And I don't think God needs your money, but he wants your heart. And so he speaks so much about money in the scriptures because he knows that's what our heart is tied to. And he knows that that's the thing that can stand between he and us. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you were here last week, we ended with a scripture, uh, a saying from Jesus. And so I'm going to pick back up on that saying It's found in the book of Luke, chapter 6, and Jesus is speaking about generosity. Here's what he says. Give and you will receive. Isn't that just backwards and upside down? But so much of the Jesus way is backwards and upside down compared to the ways of this world. So Jesus said, if you want to receive, give. You will be given much, pressed down and shaken together. You know what that means? Like think of a jar and you're filling it with something and you want more to go in. You press it down, you shake it up and you can fit even more in that jar. This is what Jesus is speaking to. Given you will receive, you will receive much, pressed down, shaken together and running over. It will spill into your lap. The way you give to others is the way that God will give to you. Jesus said that. You want to know about Jesus? Think, God, Jesus, what do you know about giving? Here's what he knows. The way you give to others is the way that God, the creator of the universe who owns everything, will give to you. So here's a question we could ask ourselves. As I was writing this and thinking through this, here's the question I asked myself. So how has God been giving to me lately? How has God been giving to you lately? Do you feel like he's been generous? Or maybe you feel like he's been withholding. Jesus said the way we give to others is the same way that God will give back to us. So how has God been giving to you? Just about every promise in scripture is preceded by a faith step of our own. That's the way God set this world up to work. Blessing comes after and only after surrender. It's our trust. It's our obedience that unlocks blessing. And we ask God, why am I struggling? Why this? Why that? There might be a million reasons. I don't know. But I think one of them is because we're expecting a blessing before our obedience. And that's not the way that God works. It'll never happen. Blessings come after our obedience according to God. Here's our series goal, to align our faith and our finances so that we live in God's freedom. Here's the thought I had with this series goal. The first thought is, well, that sounds a little manipulative almost. Here's the second thought I had. What if it's true? What if I'll experience freedom if I align every area of my life with God, including my finances? What if there's a level of freedom that I have not experienced yet, but I step into it and I get to experience that because of my obedience? What if it's true? 
Jesus said, it is. When we align our obedience with God's instruction in every area of our life, not just our finances, when we align our obedience with God's instruction, that's when we'll experience lasting freedom. And that is when the blessings will begin to flow from God to us. That's what the scriptures say. So we're going to move through four promises that can really be unlocked in our lives when it comes to generosity. Here's the first one. Generosity will reduce greed and increase contentment. It'll reduce greed. You know you were born greedy, right? You know? You know you were born greedy? No one had to teach you? 13 years ago, I had my firstborn, Lila. She is so cute. And so is that baby. (laughs) When Lila first began to speak, she was mumbling. We think she was trying to form a word. We knew she was going to say her first word, and I was so proud of her. You know what her first word was? Daddy. Dada. Yes, I love it. Her first word was dada, and I was so happy. And then, you know, of course, naturally, her second word was mine. <laughs> you know why? Because she was a greedy little thing. That's why. She was born greedy. So her second word was mine. It's all about me. And then you know what her third word was. It was donuts. <laughs> because who doesn't love donuts? And then mom came in after that eventually. And then we had Cross. And Cross, he was a chunky little thing. I mean, look at the size of that noggin. You know what that's, that's called something? You know what that's called? It's called emergency C-section at 2 a.m. Because his head was too big. That's what that's called. And then he was ready to speak, and his first word was milk. And there was never enough for him because he was greedy too. No one had to teach us to be greedy. You know what we, you know we need to be taught? How to be content. No one had to teach you or me how to be greedy, but we do need to be taught how to be content. And I'm going to read from a letter that the Apostle Paul, he wrote much of the New Testament, he wrote this letter to a guy named Timothy. And here's what he had to say in chapter 6. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. I think what Paul's saying is you can be as rich as you want. Here's how... Godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave. Have you ever seen a hearse pull in a U-Haul? You can't take it. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into this world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave. So if you have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. You ever seen anyone that that's happened to? For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. They brought it on themselves. The love of money is the roots of all kinds of evil. It's not money. Money's neutral, but the love of money is where evil often begins. 
Greed is where the love of money starts. Contentment is where the love of money ends. Did you know greed is not a financial issue? It's a heart issue. And it's like this. Greed is the difference in the mentality of two people. Greed is the difference in the mentality of a person at a party who takes three slices of pizza because he thinks it's going to run out versus the person at the party who takes only one slice of pizza because he thinks it's going to run out. You see the difference? Which one are you? Do you take all you can because you think there will never be enough? Or do you live generously knowing that God has more than you could ever need? Jim Carrey once said, I wish everyone could get rich and famous and have everything they ever dreamed of so that they would know that's not the answer. You know what he's speaking about? Contentment. Same thing the Apostle Paul was speaking about. Contentment. You can be as rich as you want through contentment. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5, it says, If you love money, you'll never be satisfied. If you long to be rich, you'll never get all you want. It'll never come. You'll never get there. Greed is not a financial issue. It's a heart issue. And it shows how little we've come to trust God and his promises. So generosity, if we're generous, here's a promise for God in our life, it'll reduce greed and increase contentment. Here's another one. Generosity reorders who and what is most important in our lives. Now, the Bible teaches that we are to love people and use money. But often we get the reverse and we love money and we use people. And then we use people to get even more money. It clearly shows our priorities are out of order. And we need to get back to what and who is actually important because someday this will all be over. And the way we've lived our lives will matter and that's what we'll be judged off of by God. And in those final moments, we'll truly understand who and what were most important. But we don't have to wait until that moment to reprioritize who and what is most important. We could do it now. We don't have to wait till the end when it hits us like a ton of bricks, we can do it now. A great friend used to tell me, we've got to stop saying, I don't have time for that or I can't afford that. Let's stop saying, I don't have time for that or I can't afford that. Let's be a little more honest with ourselves and let's say, that's not a priority for me. Let's not say, I don't have time to go exercise and instead let's say, exercise is not a priority for me. Let's not say, I don't have time to spend with my kids this week. Instead, let's say, my kids aren't a priority for me. When it comes to our generosity, that's not a priority for me. I think the reason some of us find ourselves in in this place where we have our priorities misaligned is because we want Jesus to be our Savior, but we're really not sure if we want him to be our Lord. 
We want him to save us of our sins. We just don't want him to tell us what to do. And that's a real struggle for all of us. We want to be the kings and queens of our lives, not him. And that's a priority issue. Paul goes on to tell Timothy, so he's writing this letter. He goes on to tell him in verse 11, but Timothy, you're a man of God, so run from these evil things. Pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight for true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. He's saying God is calling you to a higher way. And he's calling you to a higher way also. You are a man of God. You are a woman of God. The ways of this world are not for you. And you're going to have to fight against that because they're in your nature. But God is calling us higher. He's going to make us do some things that we don't want to do naturally. But we can do it. It's going to take faith. And it's going to take a whole lot of courage. But we can do it. Generosity will reorder who and what is most important in our lives. Here's another thing. Generosity develops humility and cultivates joy. We all need to be humble. We all want to find joy. So Paul goes on, verse 17. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who gives richly who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Paul gives us a reminder here. He's saying, your net worth does not equal your self-worth. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud. Anybody in here rich by show of hands? Anybody here rich? Just me. Okay, there's a couple. There's a, there's a couple of us, and here's why I have my hand up. Let me explain this to you. Did you know that the average income in the world, what most people in the world are making, the median income, is $2,800 per year? Most people in the world, the median income in the world is $2,800 for the entire year. If you're making $3,000 per year or more, you're doing better than most. And did you know that if you make around $60,000 a year, you are in the top 1% elite earners in the entire world. You are filthy, stinking rich. And so am I when we look at the whole world that we're living in today. Teach those who are rich in this world, that's you, not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. We can put our trust in money, or we can put our trust in God. And sometimes we struggle to trust God with our money. We don't have a problem trusting him with our salvation, but why is it so hard to trust him with our money? We believe the promises that if we follow Jesus... Ask him to forgive us of our sins that we'll be saved. That's a promise. We believe that. My eternity is taken care of. I believe that promise. But yeah, I struggle to believe that if I'm generous, that God will bless me. Why? Part of trusting God 
is having faith that he knows what's best for our lives even more than we do. He knows what will bring us lasting happiness. And the ultimate test of our faith is not how loudly we praise him when times are good, but how deeply we trust him when times are hard. Before I was a pastor, I was a business owner for a few years. And it went very well. And I was attending a church, you know, two or three times a month. And one day I jumped in my car and I was heading home from work. And that seems to be the place where God speaks to me, in my car, alone, driving. And it's happened many times. And 18 years ago, I was driving along and I felt God speak to me. And it's one of those times where you know that you know that you know God just spoke. And what he said to me was, Luke, I want you to tithe. And a tithe is giving 10% of your income back to the Lord first before anything else. It's a biblical principle. He said, Luke, I want you to tithe. And I was like, I do tithe. And that's what I said to him. And he responded. And he said something that rocked me. He said, no, you don't. You give when it's convenient for you. And I said, you're right. When I show up to church, I I give, but I don't tithe. And so I went home and I spoke with my wife And we sat down. You know what we did all night long? Not that. We fought. (laughs) We fought and fought and fought because we both looked at the budget and said, we can't can't do this. It it actually doesn't add up and we can't do it. We can't give 10% of our income away. And we came to the point of agreement eventually where he said, even though we can't do it, we're just going to do it. We're going to reprioritize our our lives and we're going to give to God first before anything else and then we're going to pay our bills and let's just see what happens. You know what happened? We paid our bills again and again and again and again and we were blessed and and we grew and our income increased and more blessings came and we kept tithing, we kept giving and for 18 years we have given the tithe to the Lord every week of our lives. And we have been incredibly blessed financially, spiritually, our health, our children. Are the promises of God true for some people? Or are they true for everyone? But remember, the promises of God come true in our lives after we take a step, not before. Blessings are unlocked through our obedience. That is the way that God works. Now, don't mishear me. What I'm not saying is if you give $10 to the church, $100 will come back your way. I'm not saying that. God blesses in many different ways. And he will. What's the answer? (laughs) All right. Okay. Sometimes... We need to move our trust out of the things that we have them in 
and into God. For some of us here, we might need to move our trust out of money and into God. Out of money, which is so unreliable, and into Jesus, who never fails. Whether we find ourselves in good times or hard times. Here's something interesting as I was studying for this message that I see in scripture, or don't see rather. What I didn't see in a lot of different examples of generosity that scripture speaks to, I never found a place where Jesus or the apostles or anyone said, before you give, consider if you could afford it. I was like, wait, like, wait a second. The scriptures never asked if we could afford it. And I thought, well, that's strange. And I don't know how I feel about that. And the examples I did see were oftentimes very poor people giving the very little that they had. And then God sent a tidal wave of blessing onto them. And so as I'm struggling and thinking through this, and some of this is hard to say and going, well, there are people here who are struggling financially and they probably shouldn't give, but God never said that. He said, be obedient to me and I will bless you. And if you're here last week, I mentioned if you're someone who is struggling financially and you don't know how you're gonna pay the bills or buy groceries next week, let me know because I might be able to help you. If you have given to this church family and you are in a time of deep need, this church family will give back to you. But let's not leave our blessing on the table because we're fearful. Let's step into obedience. And that's where we will find true and lasting joy. Generosity develops humility and it cultivates joy. And here's the last one. Generosity impacts others and eternity. Paul goes on in the letter to Timothy. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasures as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Here's the big question for all of us. Am I using some of my money to do good in this world? Or do I just keep it all for myself? And when we use some of our money to do good and help people find Jesus... We're storing up our treasure in heaven. That's the only money that will go with you into eternity is the money that we give to help other people find and to follow Jesus. That's treasure in heaven. And that's why when we talk about this, I throw out a challenge. We call it the 90-day challenge saying, let's see if God's promises are true for us. Did Jesus say some things like, oh, well, some of you will get this, or was it for all of us? Are his promises true in my life and yours? And so the 90-day challenge is, hey, take a step towards God for the next 90 days and see what he does. And for some of us here, we've maybe never given anything to the mission of this church, which is we want to help people find and follow Jesus. If you've never given anything to the mission of this church, maybe your step today will be, you know what, I'm going to give something. And for the next 90 days, I'm going to give something. When I'm paid, I'll give something back to the Lord. That's, that's the step I'm going to take. And see what God does in your life. We call that from giving nothing to giving something. Maybe that's your step. Or maybe you do give something around here. But your step will be, I'm going to step into the biblical tithe. I'm going to become obedient, full obedience to what Jesus asks of me. And I'm going to give 10% of my income back to the Lord. That's from something to a tithe. Maybe that's your step. And then see what God does. Is he a liar? 
Or are his promises true? And then some of us here, we've been tithing, we've been supporting the mission of this church. And we're going to say, you know what, I'm going to go beyond that. Maybe I'll sponsor a, a teenager for camp. Or maybe I'll sponsor one of the orphans in Uganda through our app. And you go even above and beyond. And see if God does not open the floodgate of blessing and have that blessing spill out upon your lap, like, just like Jesus said. Let's see if it's true. You can sign up for the 90-day challenge through the app. If you don't have the app, you can scan any of the QR codes around the screen. Uh, click that open on your phone. Oh, something super important. If, if you do give to the church here through the app, make sure you're selecting Imperial Beach Church. It will automatically set your location to a different church in our network. And if you give, you'll give to them, which is great for them, but not so great for us. So make sure that you set Imperial Beach Church as your location on the app, or you can give in person here at the giving stations just outside. If you do give, if you're signing up for the 90 Day Challenge, there are some books in the back of the room uh, on that table right back there. Swing by and grab one on your way out. That is for you. We're gonna sing a song called Build My Life. And it speaks to what are we building our lives upon? Is it the foundation of the Lord and the scriptures or is it something else? So we're gonna sing that in just a moment. Today, here's my challenge. Let's choose to believe God or let's choose not to, but let's not stand in the middle anymore. And yes, there's time for processing and figuring out what do I believe and if you're there, I understand. But if you've been coming around here for a while and you're saying, well, I don't really know what, how I feel about what I believe, it might be time to decide. And you might say, God, I'm gonna believe you or I'm going to, not to believe you. I'm not going to stand in the middle anymore. And Jesus spoke to that in the book of Revelations. He said, be hot or be cold. Don't be in the middle. You know what he actually said about when we stand in the middle? Makes him sick. So let's decide. Jesus, we believe you or we don't. And if we do, let's take a step and let's see if God does not bless us and if that comes true in our lives too. See, many of us here, we've made Jesus our Savior. And today, I hope we also make him our Lord. And if we do, let's take a step together and let's watch what he does. God, this is scary. Because it takes money to, to live. And it's something we put our trust in. Jesus, help us today to take our trust out of money and place it in you where it belongs. Lord, for any of us here taking a step in our generosity, would you show us, God, that your promises are true and unfold them in our lives? God, for anyone struggling, would you give them the courage to take a step of obedience and through that obedience, would you bless them more than they ever dreamed? God, if someone here needs a job, would you give them a job that pays more than they ever hoped for? God, for those of us here who are struggling with our health, I ask you, would you heal us? Would you give us the resolve to become healthy ourselves, to take the difficult steps and put in the work that it takes? We open our lives to you, Jesus. We build our lives upon your foundation. And through that, 
would we see your blessing, I ask in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.